Welcome back to the Dads Unplugged podcast. I am your co-host, Sean Pace. This is episode number 21. Hello, Nelson. Sean, what's up, buddy? Nelson Osorio here, co-host of the Dads Unplugged podcast. Excited today. Um, a fellow dad that I've run into, seems like I've run into a lot of people on Clubhouse um, and build these really good connections. Um, but Jeremy Nix said one thing that stood out to me. Aside from being a dad, he said hostage negotiations. And I was just like, we got to have this guy on. We need to figure out how, one, how he got to this point where he's using the word hostage negotiation in his intro. And then number two, how is that translating into being a dad? Jeremy, give us a, a little bit of an insight of who you are. Lay us, lay us a nice foundation to, um, to the audience so we can get started. Yeah, you guys, I'm really excited to be on with you guys. Um, you guys both make me laugh. So I like to hang out with anybody who makes me laugh. So this is this is really exciting. Yes, I am a hostage in crisis negotiator. And I will tell you, like you say, how did you get there? Um, I actually was a failed hostage negotiator. Part of part of my actual story is that the first time I ever did a negotiation, I made the person it was a it was a role playing scenario when I was uh, when I was interviewing for the spot. And the guy who played the part of the person who was in crisis said that if I had showed up and he was actually on a bridge, he would have jumped. So that was my first experience. <laughs> and that's a real great, and I walked out of that negotiation. I actually walked out of that interview feeling like I had crushed it. I, and apparently I did. Um, I had, I had called the supervisor who had recommended me to put in for this position three days after I didn't hear back. And I said, Hey, when do I start? Cause I haven't heard anything. And I got that dreaded, <laughs> you want the truth? And I'm like, no, I don't want the truth. I, I know I don't want the truth. Cause if you tell me, do you want the truth? That means I don't want the truth. And she said, well, you made him want to jump, but they're going to give you a shot. And so that's, that's how it, that's how it started for me. Obviously I, I, I have got, well, not obviously you don't know. I, but I have gotten better. And hopefully, hopefully, good. hopefully it's good. I uh, learned a lot, but I'm aside from that, I am a dad to two teenage boys, um, young men. I've got an 18 year old son getting ready to graduate um, here. He graduates this year. And then I've got a 15 year old son going into his sophomore year and they are, they are the surprises to my life. We did not, I was not supposed to be able to have children because of some things that happened when I was younger. So they are the greatest surprises I ever have that has ever happened to me. And then I've been married to my wife, who is also my business partner and my best friend. We've been married for 19 years and just love doing life together. And, and yeah, everything in life's a negotiation. You're always negotiating. Right. And, and so, um, so I utilize these skills in every part of parenting and in marriage and any relationship I have. I've got some really cool tools in the tool belt that allow me to, to negotiate life. How has, um, I mean, now that your son's about to, he's about to graduate, has, has any of the decisions he's about to make moving forward, college or career, has any of the things you've learned through the negotiation with the FBI, correct? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm FBI trained. I actually work. Yeah, I work for a local um, agency, but I'm FBI trained. We all have to go through FBI training. Mm -hmm. Has any of that helped with with guiding him going oh, into like this college decision making or career decision making? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a phase that happens in a in a in your parenting, especially as a dad. And this was actually really hard for me. You go from being 
dad who knows everything to dad who tells me everything I have to do to dad who hopefully becomes a mentor. And mm -hmm. because at some point, and I, he hasn't figured out yet, he's 18. He hasn't figured out yet that he actually doesn't have to listen to everything I say, which is kind of nice. I'm not working that for as long. I'm not going to tell him, but, <laughs> uh, but, but as I entered this, this phase where I, I was more about him making choices, that's when the skills as a negotiator, because here's the thing about a negotiator. And I use this example a lot. When a police officer sees a guy with a gun, he just begins to yell, put down the gun, put down the gun, put down the, hey, put down the gun. Hey, stop, put down the gun. That's the same thing over and over. Stop resisting. Mm -hmm. put down the gun. Mm -hmm. When a negotiator sees someone with a gun, we ask the question, hey, why do you have that gun? Negotiations is just about asking questions. Hmm. And so when you, as a dad, can utilize that same skill of tactically asking questions so that you understand the story behind the decision, you actually gain a whole lot of influence in, in, in your in your child and in your young adult's life. And so even coming up to going away to college versus staying home for college, getting a job versus just focusing on school, rather than me telling him all the things he had to do, I really asked a whole lot of questions that, that allowed us to have good conversation and he made wiser decisions than he initially was starting out to do. So hopefully that answers your question about how I, how I utilize some of those skills. A hundred percent. Yeah. You know, it, your those phases, I have a 10 year old son, so I'm still going through the phase of he believes I know everything. Yeah. And I've set the bar low. My answer typically <laughs> to his questions is I have no idea. And he thinks I'm lying to him and I'm just like, no, I'm, I'm pretty honest. The bar's low, buddy. So <laughs> we haven't gotten to the second phase. Um, he's well, enjoy not this next 12 yet. months because come 11, it's over. <laughs> it's just so. downhill. He, he really starts to believe me when I go, I don't know, and goes, man, you're dumb. <laughs> he's like, he's going to start things with, hey, dad, I know you don't know, but, and then it'll go from there. So. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's typically what usually happens. So I have a, I have a question for you, Jeremy. On um, as you went through this training, and then now you have kids. Looking looking back, how were you able to make different decisions, different choices, um, with not just your your training, but as you experienced from son to father, um, with how you were raised and how things were when you were a kid? Yeah, you know, I I come from a really great. I have a great upbringing. I'm really fortunate. My dad was always around. My dad was um, always, he was just always there. He coached baseball. He coached soccer. He did all the things, right? Dad was great. And at the same time, I say all that. And I say at the same time, there was a moment in my life where I had to have a conversation with my dad because there were some things that I say, like, I say it this way. Every young man at some point in their life is looking and I think young girls too, but I'm a dad to boys. So every young man is looking for at some point in their life for their dad to give them the head nod that, mm. you know, that, that nod that just goes, Hey, you got this. Hey, you, you, you're ready. You're equipped. You, mm. I'm here for you, but you don't need me. You've got this. And that was something that, um, cause I, a big part of, again, what I do in my, in my, in part of my career, what I do is, is belief is transfer of belief and, um, and empowering someone. And that was something that 
I worked really hard to get from my father. And for a long time, even at the age of 40 years old, even didn't feel like I ever had that head nod. And so something that I recognize, we call it labeling the emotion as a negotiator. Mm-hmm. And so I began to look at actions and behaviors from my kids and by labeling the emotion, what is, what is he feeling? What is he needing? Hmm. That's something I can give him. I gave the head nod pretty, I gave it quicker than I, than I received it Hmm. because I saw those moments of like, this is where dad needs me to believe in him. This is where dad needs me um, just to be there for him. Like, like, like that's, so that's, I think that's been a big change is becoming super aware of a, of what a person's emotional story that's being told at that moment is, and then be able to provide that for my son quicker. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you hit it. You nailed, nailed it right on the head. It's just, it's, it's having that we all, not everyone. So most of us are lucky enough to know our parents are there and they support us. And, but it's when you have, have that confirmation and, it wasn't for me until later. Sorry, dad. Um, and when my son and I are going through something right now and, and my, my dad and I got in a disagreement about how to handle it. And then during the conversation at the end, he actually said, I'm so proud of you and how you're handling this because I couldn't handle it the way you are and the way you are therapy and everything. is allowing it the situation to progress the best way possible. And I heard it on the phone and it wasn't until I was in therapy and talked about it with my therapist. My therapist was like, wait, time out a second. Did you just hear what you said? And I was like, yeah. She's like, "Uh -uh." uh-uh. There's a validation. I was like, uh, like, light bulb. Oh, okay. You know, that's so interesting because we don't, I don't even think we realize we we kind of want or long for that until it happens or or if it doesn't happen there's kind of like that small void that's that's slightly missing. Thank you for bringing that up. I never even thought about that and Sean, yeah, thanks for sharing that. How has it been with with your wife in terms of being married to the negotiator? Did she uh, go through the same training or That's so <laughs> it's funny because so after that failed experience, because it really did feel like a, I mean, obviously that feels like a failure, right? <laughs> you know, can you imagine? And so after that first failed experience, I, I really dove in when they gave me the opportunity. I really dove in, and I actually took extra classes outside of what the agency was providing. I I read every book I could come come across. I did the master classes. I did all the things. But many times, what I would hear at home is, "Hey, don't don't do that to me." I hear like I see what you're doing there. Don't don't do that to me, and and so I had to be I had to be a little bit more careful because like I was negotiating everything at home with her constantly. Like I'm negotiating in the kitchen. I'm negotiating in the bedroom. Neither one was working well, and so so like so. But now, I would say now what's happened is she's actually taken on some of those things. Even within our business that we run together, she mm-hmm. has taken on some of of those skills because. There's a great book out there that says change your questions, change your life. And if if you if you can change your questions, if you can just become super curious, man, you can go, you can go miles with people that you actually had no relationship with at all. And so I've watched what has happened in our marriage is we're both quicker to take a pause, label that emotion, like, hey, what what are you seem frustrated right now? You 
man, you seem really discouraged right now. Um, mm. And then ask more questions than we give each other answers. We don't, we, st- we both of us stop trying to fix it for one another. Mm. And, and I'm a big fixer. I'm like, when she tells me I'm really having a hard day, well, okay, well, what if we do this? And she's like, stop. And now it's more, I don't even ask what she needs. I ask her just to tell me more about that. And, and she does the same. And so it's actually improved our marriage, this, this ability to learn how to really get to the heart of listening, building rapport, and then helping someone else discover what it is they want. Uh, so what you're saying is when, when your significant other comes to you with something, don't fix it and don't one-up them with something more important that you have to say. I've been doing it wrong. Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> good Lord. I, I think uh, this just reinforces the fact of the group I need to start as partners of not just therapists, but also hostage negotiators. So we can have, because my girlfriend's going through a master's soon to, to get her uh, therapy license and trauma therapy. And, and I really think that there should be a group for those of us that have partners that, because usually I'm assuming, please correct me if I'm wrong, what you deal with when you get brought into these moments, they're very high tense, very stressful moments. And and we on the other side, same with people that aren't therapists, don't do the work because I don't want to be, I don't that's just not me. And mm-hmm. But having an outlet with other people that are like, well, they came home and they tried to ask these questions and I really just opened up and I didn't mean to like to have a group to like (laughs) to talk about this instead of being right back at you. Right. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. You said we could step into intense situations. What, what a lot of people don't realize is the mission of a negotiator is to take a hostile environment and convert it to an environment of trust. That's actually the mission. Mm. We don't save, save lives. We don't take people off bridges. We don't talk people into letting, hostages go we just convert hostility to trust and so when you said that just now i'm like that is what we do i'd like and and you're right it's funny you're like you got me talking and i didn't even want to can i talk to somebody <laughs> right. but that's actually what we do i can see that i can see that quite a bit <laughs> how how has through all the people you've helped have you ever looked back and gone I could have done this a little bit differently, but the outcome, maybe not then, but in the future was so much greater than what I could have seen. And it was actually the way it should have gone. Have you ever had those moments looking back at past cases, past mm-hmm. interactions? Yeah. Um, yeah. The second time I ever was on a scene that uh, we actually, we work in groups. So there's not just one, like, I always thought it was going to be like, I'm going to be Denzel Washington in the movie, The Negotiator. This is what yes. I'm doing. I'm going to do what you do. I'm going to rip off my vest. I'm going to walk into the bank and say, just you and me, let's talk. That's exactly what you do. Yeah, we don't. No. By the way, oh. <laughs> by the way, oh. in a real life situation, I'm never taking off my vest. But um, <laughs> I mean, I love my job, but I like my life better. So um, the... But the, like the first time I I was actually on one, we go to, we go to these high risk warrant services. So someone's going to have a warrant served and and they're going to, even if it's just like to to go through and like a search warrant, we go if it's a high risk. And so this one I went to high risk and I was actually, there was only two of us there, myself and my supervisor. The rest of the team didn't 
come to this. There's normally eight of us. The rest of the team didn't come. And uh, the guy was was really funny. He actually was he was more concerned about his dogs than anything else. All he cared, he's like, you guys are going to hurt my dogs. Don't come in here. You're going to hurt my dogs. And so I'm trying to build rapport. I'm like, I got a dog. What kind of dogs do you have? And we're, and we're just having conversations. And, and eventually he goes, I got to go to the bathroom, man. I got, I got to go to the bathroom. Like, can you just call this? Can you call me back? And so we try never to get off the phone. And so I'm, I said, Hey, like I can, but you know, and, and so I made, I, I made the mistake in that moment. Which, well, let me fast forward. So I let him get off the phone. I told him I call him back in five minutes. I called him back in four minutes. And as I'm talking to him, when he answers, he goes, who is this? I'm like, how do you not know who this is? I have the guy who's been talking to you for 30 minutes and you're like barricaded in the house. It's the same guy it was. And, and, and he says, he says, I said, Oh, Hey, I'll, we'll call him Mike. Hey Mike, uh, this is Jeremy. And I just, and are you, are you still going to the bathroom? Yeah, I'm still going to the bathroom. I told you, call me back. I said, well, okay, well, I gave you the time. I said, well, where are you? Cause it, I mean, I did, where are you? I'm in the garage. I'm so, I'm sorry, dude. I, you said you were going to the bathroom. So I was a little confused. And he goes, I am going to the bathroom. He goes, I'm going to prison for like 300 years. I'm taking a dump in the trash can in my garage. What are you going to do about it? Like, it was just it was like, like, so we got to <laughs> like, he's like, why do I care? I don't want to clean this up. And, and so at, at, during that time, um, I had, I had um, asked him, like, he said, well, I'm going to go back out. I said, well, why don't you just stay in the garage? Let's talk for a little bit. And, and so it kept him in the garage. And at one point I made the mistake of saying, I understand. Mm. And the truth is, will I ever understand what it feels like to know you're going to prison for 300 years? No, I'll never understand that. Mm. And for yeah. me, this dude who grew up in his two parent household, went to high school, went to college to, to tell him, I understand what mm -hmm. he's doing was a big mistake. Now with that, two things happened. Number one, he went off on a really big rant about why I don't understand, which actually bought us time because we didn't know that he actually had someone else in the house with him oh, and wow. we didn't know. And because he was in the garage and he went off on this rant in the garage, um, we were able to get more intelligence about what was going on in the rest of the house. So we were able to save somebody that was in the house. Mm. Second, second thing, um, I got the opportunity to build better trust with him by simply apologizing and saying, Hey, you know what, man? You're right. I have no concept of what you're, how you feel right now. You seem angry. You seem scared. You seem frustrated. And he's like, yeah, I'm all of those things. And then all of a sudden we built massive rapport to the point where when he did come out of the house, I got a chance to meet him and we got a chance to talk. And he actually said, thank you, which that's not about, it's not about me. It's about the fact that he got out of the house safe and somebody else got out of the house safe. But I made a huge mistake. That that led to really cool, really cool results. So wow. that makes sense, Sean. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, yeah, that's exactly what I was looking for. Thanks. You could have just told him, I understand taking a dump in the garage in a garbage can. <laughs> and he might have just been like, you know what? I don't know this guy well enough to know if he's lying or not. But if this negotiator does this on a regular, then I, <laughs> I need to grab a beer with this guy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I should have. Man, where were you? You should have been my second on that. Don't. don't no. Know. No, you don't want Nelson you know, to be your second. No, you know, Jeremy, have you me. ever like you ever like uh, fed a stray cat and then they just kept coming back? Don't yeah, invite me. <laughs> the one invitation is all I need to never leave your front steps. That's you it. can extend the offer, and all of a sudden Nelson's on a plane to San Diego. <laughs> so I got a question for you, this negotiation wise. I got a question for you guys. 
So oh, here you guys do this podcast. I'm, I'm a little, I'm, I'm not, I'm not totally offended that I'm episode 21. Cause that means there were like 20 dudes that were like you thought of first, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say it was like, because it's like blackjack, man, we hit it. We hit blackjack 21. So um, my it. question for you guys is as it relates to how you lead this and how you guys work together, do yep. you find yourselves or what kind of situations have you guys had to get into where you feel like you're negotiating with one another? Um, yeah, <clears throat> I'm going to just give you a quick story about how everything started. I come up with this genius idea to start a podcast about dads, right? I reach out to Sean, I'm like, hey, Sean, would you want to be a part of this journey that I've thought about by myself? I planned it out. I learned how to edit software. I'm like, hey, Sean, I'm going to edit the podcast. I learned how to post on YouTube. I learned how to do everything by myself. And Sean's kind of just on my coattails, right? The whole time. At some point, someone stops me and go, bullshit. You're not, you're not the kind of guy who can start this by yourself. So that's my story. <laughs> it's good to know that that's what Nelson tells himself at night when he goes to sleep. <laughs> so I feel so much better knowing he's peacefully sleeping. Um, yep. Negotiating on this. Yeah, I think it was just trying to find what our strengths are and you know if and to keep this i mean i mean really we try and keep it as simple as possible we both have full-time jobs and families and um and everything else and it's if we were my goal was to do this just to help one dad if we help one dad that or mom that they know the journey they're on isn't foreign to somebody else and they have the one person they can reach out to and say hey you know what, your story, thank you. Um, then it's all the hours put in, you know, the craziness trying to figure out how to get this thing launched and everything else was, you know, was worth it. But it was trying to split up. So our time is, as I believe, an equal work. Uh, I don't want to ask Nelson to do more work than I'm willing to do. But I also know the only way for us to be successful long term, minus hiring a full staff, which I don't think will ever happen, but if it does, We'll reconvene and I'll be like, I was wrong completely. Um, <laughs> is to make sure that, you know, we, we, we stay in constant communication. For two guys that have never met in person and for us to talk as much as we do. I mean, we talk day of recordings. We talk when we don't record. We text early in the morning sometimes. Um, it's been pretty awesome. I'm very blessed and grateful that we just, we met and we flow. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. One of the, I think, real interesting random parts of, of doing something with someone you haven't really met is we both, even we haven't, we haven't verbalized it, but we're both in a very similar place in terms of like the kind of progress we're looking for something like this. And had Sean, re Sean initially reached out to me, had this idea of a podcast that is the honest, he had another co-host actually before me so i'm the second co-host not sure how i still feel about that jeremy we're gonna offline process those feelings hey, at least you're but, not um, the first you're not the least, oh, oh wow <laughs> hey hey both of you be elsa let it go <laughs> uh i'm upset that you know about that because you don't have a young daughter but that's fine um so so initially i think what ended up happening is sean's goal of helping one dad and and not looking to make a podcast where you're monetizing traveling the world and being this super co-host of a podcast just kind of fell up my alley where I'm just trying to have a good time. I, you know, I told him, I was like, I'd, I'd love to kind of hang out and do something that's fun 
helping someone it requires a little bit of work yeah but it's it's not e exhausting and we both we do communicate a lot so we're constantly do you want to try this do you want to give this a shot and and if it doesn't work we're not too hard on ourselves like he said you know we're two dads i have a 10 year old he has two teenagers you know i i coach my son's baseball team so i'm on the baseball field right now and during the spring season yeah. about six days a week um between the two teams that he plays and, i just hope my kids it, aren't getting arrested and going to jail so it's, it's like <laughs> sounds like as long as that doesn't happen um and and then we have you know we really have some really cool guys like yourself coming on and i think since the first guest it's been fun and and that's a big part of doing something like this long term is that we're having a good time and we've gotten some pretty cool comments and and text messages from people that listen um saying you know that that they're enjoying what we're putting out at the end of the day i don't know for sean but it's not for me to just listen to myself i rarely re-listen to the podcast after we're done um so if, if somebody does get value, like Sean said, it's probably the most rewarding part is when somebody says, oh my God, what you guys just shared. I've been through it. Just the camaraderie of I've been through that same scenario sometimes gives you that feeling of normalcy as a dad, um, mm -hmm. especially when things aren't going great. When things are going good, it's fairly easy to be a parent. You know, your kid's potty trained or, you know, your, your kid right. kind of just knows how to feed themselves. Your, your kid's hugging you saying, I love you. Those are the, the fun parts, right? Whenever there's that that kind of friction as a parent where you have to discipline or or your kid does something that that is harmful to themselves or someone else, that's the point where you want to listen to a podcast to hear someone else that went right. through it and had success after or just that the outcome wasn't as bad as sometimes we, we tend to think, right. um, which is why it's so interesting hearing the negotiation stories. I, I think everyone at some point has seen a movie where a negotiator comes out. It's high tense. Hi, it's exhilarating. And then the outcome is great. That's kind of what we all want as parents, that, that we do go through those moments of tension, but we're all hoping that that end result is is favorable to ourselves, Absolutely. our spouses, our kids. Um, so having you having you share some of that is it's really great insight. And and with the kids, like in terms of like them, I mean, they're, they're brought up in this environment where you do know how to handle tense situations. How has it been career-wise in terms of I'm 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 gonna assume potentially maybe being on call or or having to go to jobs last minute. How was that with the kids and like raising them? Were they understanding to that? Was that was that a, a point of friction being a dad and having to run off to potentially save the world? You know, it was a point of friction for me, hmm. for me, and I appreciate that you would say that I saved the world um, because I just want to make sure that got out there, but. It was a, it was a point of, I'm just kidding. It was a point of friction for me because I was missing out on their life. Hmm. Uh, I, I, it's very common, right? Nothing, nothing, um, nothing bad happens like in my timing, all the bad things are like somebody else is like, they're making decisions when I'm in the middle of family dinner, they're, they're, you know, they're in crisis when I'm just trying to be at a birthday party. Hmm. And so there was many times that I felt like I was missing out. So I would, you know, I, I've gotten, I've had call outs on Christmas Eve. Uh, I've had, I've had call outs during baseball games and I had to go, my boys and my wife are very understanding hmm. and they're very much like my, my son wants to be a, you know, he wants to be a first responder really bad. He loves all that. Uh, I, I don't want him to do that. But he wants to do that. And so, um, sorry about that, you guys. So, um, 
he, so they're understanding and, and they think it's great. I think what's hard is when it doesn't go well. You said everybody's hoping for that, that really great outcome and they don't all go well. Hmm. And what is hard for my boys is to watch when dad comes home because it's your, your giving of your own self in those situations. You're bonding with someone that you don't even know to, to hopefully make a positive impact in their life that literally could, yeah. could impact their eternity. And, and so when it doesn't go well and you come home from that, your boys see that your kids see that. And there were many times that I've come home and said, Hey, I just need, I just need a little time. It didn't, it wasn't a good one. And I've been very open with my boys about it. And I've been very open and said, Hey, this didn't go well. This is a person made a, made a, a long-term decision over a temporary problem and it didn't go well. Mm. Oh. And, and so that, that has been difficult for them to watch. And I will say the other side that has been difficult is for me as a parent, they've also felt the brunt of the times that I didn't handle myself well, because the truth of the matter is I deal with people who've made really bad decisions, who are, irres who are making irresponsible decisions. A lot of times they are the victims of their own circumstances and, and it's never their fault. Right. And and they tell me it's never their fault. So then when my, when my sons are irresponsible, I find myself saying things like, yeah, there's a lot of bridges with irresponsible people, which is a horrible thing to say. But in my weakness, I would say that. Yeah. Um, or there's a, there, you know how many guys I've had to talk out of a house because they, they refuse to take responsibility for their life. Mm -hmm. And those are not things. And so I, those are moments of regret that I've had to apologize for many times. Um, so it's affected them in those, re in those ways because you don't always leave it at work. You just don't. Yeah. I appreciate the honesty. Um, those those are the some of the tougher moments as parents. It, is there anything that you've done for self care? Like, do you have a therapist oh, yeah. you go to or meditate or yeah work out? Like, what's your thing that you that you absolutely? Go to? So so um, I come from a I come from a faith background. So I I see a I see a therapist. Um, we're we're really involved in our church. We're really involved in small group small community, um, and. And so those are things I do work out. Actually, my so my wife and I actually own a health a health and wellness business, and that's what that's our primary source of of income is that. And so we are really focused on taking care of healthy body, healthy mind, healthy finances, and all the things that that allow that you know that 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 just make you live an optimally healthy life. And mm -hmm. so I really I dig into I read I read a lot of books. I spend a lot of time with people that I trust. And I do a lot of things just to, be, to to add positivity to my life. You have to to survive in to survive in any world. I'm sorry. What what the, what 2020 represented was the fact that the junk's always been there, right? The junk's oh, it's like it's here in San Diego where I live. There, I heard a, a guy talk about surfing, and he's like, "I love surfing, especially after a storm. It's beautiful." But at the end of the day, after a storm, there's like so much more seaweed in the water, and there's all this trash in the water. He goes, "But here's the truth: that's always been there." The storm just exposed it. 2020 just exposed how much junk is in our lives. So we all have it and it's affecting us no matter whether you're a hostage negotiator, whether you're, or whether you're a librarian, it's all there. Yeah. So I just choose to become aware of my junk quicker so that I can deal with it quicker. I, I like how you're, you're showing your kids as they've gotten older and you've been doing this for a while. The, the ability to recognize when you need the time for self-care when, and also it sounds like even when you've apologized to them, oh, yeah. when you've made the mistake. And I, 
I feel as as fathers, for at least for me, there was, you know, growing up, my dad was always right. And um, to to go to your child and say, hey, you know what, I screwed up. I'm sorry. You know, hey, there's no playbook for this thing. Um, I'm doing the best I can. And, you know, asking for that grace from them. And even if they don't recognize it right now, I mean, how much are they really processing at 17 and 18 years? Nothing. Let's just be honest until they're at least 25. Sorry, kids. That's just, it's scientifically until proven. Until you can rent a car, you're just not there. Until you can rent a car without paying any extra fees, you're still an idiot. But I love you. You're a lovable idiot. Um, maybe you're making that imprint that one day for them, whether it's if they have their own kids or they're in a relationship or even at work, they recognize the moment to, to um, be humble and ask for grace. And it, and it sounds like you're instilling that in your boys' lives. Man, that's the hope. That's the hope. You know, we, we, um, you can ask our boys, um, there's a couple of things that we say in our family. We always have one of the things I can ask my boys is, Hey, when do we listen? Even, even like I said, at 18 years old, I'll be like, Hey, Cameron, when do we listen? And he'll be like on the first time, dad. And then wow. when do we, when do we say, I'm sorry, right away, right away, because I want them to be quick to listen. And I also want them to be quick to repent, quick to, quick to, to make that. it right. And, but if I don't do that, mm. they're never going to do it. And so there's been many times that I've had to walk in and go, Hey, sometimes your dad's just an idiot. I just want you to know. And I, and I, I did not, number one, I didn't mean what I said. I know I can never take it out of, out of your mind, but I hope you can forgive me for it. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, when you, I think what happens when you live that way, it's, it kind of, they're, they're kind of like, yeah, okay, dad, we're cool. It's good. You know? And then hopefully, hopefully my hope is that, it doesn't stick with them. What they remember was the was the, the was the apology more than they remember the wound, and how and and that that's what they take with them when they raise their kids. Because like you know, we were just talking about our dads. We we owe it to our fathers to be a little bit better parents than they were, mm-hmm. and then our kids are going to still be jacked up because we did something wrong too, and so. They, hopefully they will then just take it and they'll just be a little bit better than us. And then at some point, about a hundred years from now, there's going to be the perfect dad. So that's, that's, that's the hope, right? Yep. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I mean, you kind of answered a question that we typically ask um, the dads, but what are, what are two pieces of advice you'd have for a, a dad or just a parent in general? That's, you know, in your case has teenagers. I mean, speak to that parent, one or two pieces yeah. of advice if you can. Yeah. So the first thing I would say, it's something that my, my mentor taught me when I became a dad. And I think it applies all the way up until they're, until they're young men and young adults work really hard to work really hard to distinguish between childish behavior and rebellious behavior before, before you go after discipline, work hard to understand what is childish. What is just a kid being a kid? They're not being, they're not disobeying you. They're just being a kid. And what is rebellious behavior? You know, uh, I used to get real frustrated with my son because he just couldn't sit still at two years old. What's wrong with this kid? Why can't he just, Hmm. he's not being rebellious. He's just being a kid. Doesn't mean he doesn't need to be instructed. Doesn't mean it doesn't need the behavioral change. But my approach is different when it's rebellious versus when it's childish. And so I would say work really hard that way. Second thing I would say is, if you're angry when you decide to discipline, you've waited too long. 
So if, if what, what, no matter what kind of discipline you do, you know, there's people that spank, there's people that do timeouts. There's, I don't know, there's, there's people like me who take away car privileges. If I'm angry by the time that the, the discipline is happening, that's on me because I've waited too long. You know, I want my kids to listen on the first time. So if I keep asking 17 times and now suddenly I'm mad because it hasn't happened, that's on me. Mm, so, like so that. instead of letting it fester, instead of being frustrated that you keep asking and they don't do it, discipline early, but then discipline with love and, and not out of anger. Cause if you've done it out of anger, you waited too long and the point will be missed anyways. Cause you're just, they're just, all they see is a mad dad. That's yeah. all they see. So that, that would be the two things I would say. Mm. And I guess I'll give you a third one. Sorry. Never bring it <laughs> no matter what the discipline is. And this was something I had to work on really hard. And my wife used to call me out on it a lot. Never withhold love because of, because of out of anger, never withhold love once. So we'll call the word punishment when the punishment is, is, is enacted and done, then you mm. move forward. Mm. Sometimes we kind of want to be like, well, you know what? You, you're grounded and now you're going to listen to me rant for the next hour. Mm -hmm. And I'm still going to kind of make you earn it back with me. So we'll be cool later because I'm mad. Never withhold love. Discipline because it, it's, it's for their betterment, not for your anger. And then don't withhold from them in the process. You know what I, I really like about all, th all three of those is it, it puts it on the parent to, mm -hmm. to make adjustments, not not like you said, not getting mad at the child after 17, 20 times of saying something and saying, well, it's their fault, but going, you know what, I need to, I need to address things a little bit quicker. I, I love that because too many times, so, you know, I, I own a mental health staffing agency, so I hire therapists to work with kids. Uh, and too many times we get assigned to work with a family and the parent goes, my kid has an issue. Mm. And the therapist kind of turns around and go, why don't we sit down with you first yep. and figure out where, um, so it's, it's wonderful that, that that's what you're already, again, two young men being raised by, by you with those and you and your wife and, you know, instilling them with such strong value. I'm sure we're going to have, uh, whatever career paths they take, whatever decisions they make, it's going to be uh, a great addition to, you know, to fathering one day. Thanks, man. That's, that's my hope, right? Well, I think you're doing a great job and we want to respect your time. Jeremy, so as we kind of start to wrap up, we'll ask a couple more questions and we'll let you run off to go negotiate with your father with him helping people install carpet. Um, <laughs> so uh, one serious, one silly. What do you want your legacy to be? Is that the silly one or is that the serious one? <laughs> That's supposed to be the serious one. <laughs> uh, I want my legacy as it relates to... Um, well, I want my legacy to be that 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 he led a family after family after family, that legacy of people who were good and kind and stood for things that were right. Not that they had to be right, but they stood for what was right or that what was correct. I, I there's just such a, such a lack of goodness and kindness in our world today. And I just I would I if, if my boys leave this earth and, and are known for being good people and kind people, then I will have done a good job. And, and that's, so that's what I want my legacy to be. I love it. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for that. That was not silly. That was very serious. And, and I appreciate you. Uh, 
Cool. Yeah. Sticking with the question. So the silly question is, um, do you have a dad joke you can share with everybody else? Yeah, I got the classic. My dad told it to me and, and I tell it to my kids. I still tell it to my kids and they're like, yeah, we already know, but I don't care. It's, it's my dad. <laughs> joke. So every time we drive by a cemetery, I tell people, I tell my boys, you guys know why that's the most popular place in the world? Cemetery is so popular. I'm like, why dad? Because people are just dying to get in there. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, yeah, it's, oh, a little, it's a little, it's a little, it's a little rough. Wow, love it. Perfect. I'll leave you, I'll leave you I like right after I said goodness and kindness. So <laughs> yeah, uh, I like it. All right, Nelson, batter up, <clears throat> Jeremy. You know, we we typically like to end with a "Would you rather" um, question. Rules are simple. You got to pick one or the other. Can't pick both or none. And uh, and you give a little reason why. This one's up your alley, honestly. I think I think this will give you a chance to really talk to us about this negotiation kind of mentality. Would you rather be hunted by Jason Bourne or The Rock and Kevin Hart? <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, yeah, that's that's simple. Honestly, that is simple. I would take The Rock and Kevin Hart. You would want to be hunted by them. Absolutely. Why is that so? Why why are we picking them? And why is that so easy? Oh, because I would. Because if they were, well, first of all, I freaking love Kevin Hart. Okay, so that like honestly, I might even let him catch me. There's a good chance I'd, <laughs> I'd probably open my arms wide for a big hug. I don't even know if that's what's gonna like. He might shoot me, but I'm like, bring it. If I'm gonna be killed, oh I'm my goodness, I love you. But but secondly, like I could work them those skills. And I think I could have them turn on each other. I just feel like I feel like <laughs> I feel like the Rock would be super focused, and Hart would be so distracted that they'd end up like running into each other, and then I would just get away. Whereas Jason Bourne, I'm I'm sorry, I've I've seen them all. He would kill me, and he didn't even know why he was killing me because it's just <laughs> so. Like, so you got to go with the guys who are that you at least have a shot that one of them's going to tick off the other one, and then you're going to win. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. You know, helps me with my answer, Sean. So definitely not Jason Bourne because I don't want to be executed at 2,000 yards away. Um, so I'd rather have uh, Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart come after me because I have seen them bicker enough. And you know what? They would get argue over who's going to drive, and I would have plenty of time <laughs> then to just, to just get away. And even if, you know what, did better than that, banana in the tailpipe, and then they argued over who actually put the banana in the tailpipe. I'm a free uh, man. That's good. That's good. You know, um, that's actually, yeah, I, I would have to go with, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to agree with you guys. You know, Jason Bourne, I'm a fan of the movies. And yeah, Sean, like you said, you're dying. And you didn't even know. You didn't even know you were hunted mm -hmm. with Jason Bourne. Doesn't give you a shot. The Rock and Kevin Hart, yeah, they're, they're actually coming on as guests. They're not. They're not come not yet. Okay, so I jumped the gun on that one. But if they if they were to hunt me, I think I think they would find me and we'd have laughs on the way to the police station or or wherever they're gonna take you because they're just two good guys. Uh, Jeremy, real real quick, real quick. But Jeremy, can you negotiate down Jason Bourne? Ooh. Oh no! Ooh. <laughs> that was fast. Ooh. Well, yeah, because I mean, you got to know your limits, and I, like that's. I love it. That's like top notch. You gotta, you'd have to bring in Denzel. So that's the only. <laughs> yes. 
such a good movie. Awesome. Uh, if if people, Jeremy, wanted to find you, get a hold of you, where uh, where's the best place or best places? Well, as you've as you've probably picked up, I like actually talking to people. Like I enjoy. So I would say let's connect on Instagram for sure. I'm just Jeremy Nix on Instagram. If you want some tools and, and resources, I got my link tree right there on the Instagram. So you could you could hit me up on the link tree and I'll give you I've got a whole thing just 50 ways to, or 50, 50 questions you can ask. You can ask them with your kids. It actually started because I was asking my kid questions on the way to football because I was sick of just the silent drive to football. Mm-hmm. And so I, I created this thing of 50 um, open-ended questions to help conversations get started and build rapport instantly. And and then I'm actually getting ready to, to do a launch here real soon. So you can also go to jeremynix.com. And there we got I'm working on some things to help people who want to, whether it's build their family, build their business, just build their life through developing influence, um, heroic influence is what I call it. And so you can go to jeremynix.com as well and can connect with me there. That was <clears throat> that was wonderful. Thank you for for taking time from from your busy schedule. We know you're you're traveling for work and and always have a lot going on. We're really excited to have the listeners kind of get an insight into what you've been through, the the amazing information you've given just as a dad, as a husband and what you've done with your kids and um and I know you don't feel like you might be saving the world, but to that one person that you're negotiating them down from a bad decision, I'm sure you're you're definitely impacting and, and changing their world or their family's world. So Jeremy, you're awesome, dude. Hey, well, Jeremy, thank you so much for your time today. Everyone, please follow Jeremy at all the notes that uh, Nelson has just helped provide. And please subscribe to the podcast. Thank you again for listening. Uh let us know if there's other guests you want to have on. Of course, as always, complaints go to Nelson at dadsunpluggedpodcast.com comments and suggestions go to sean at dadsunpluggedpodcast.com and everyone have a wonderful day until next time thank you when did we agree to that